This morning, we're wrapping up a series entitled Stress Less. How many of you feel like, man, I could use a little less stress in my life? That would be nice. How many of you are like me? And, and today, I want to just start off by reading just three simple verses from a book called 1 Corinthians, written by this guy named Paul. And it reads like this in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verses 47 through 49. Physical life comes first, then spiritual a firm base shaped from the earth. A final completion coming out of heaven. The first man was made out of earth, and the people since then are earthy. Isn't that a fun word? Earthy. Second man was made out of heaven, and people can now be heavenly. In the same way that we've worked from our earthy origins, let's embrace our heavenly ends. Today I want to preach a message to you entitled, The Future is Bright. The Future is Bright. Well, I want to start off by asking a series of questions this morning. The first one is, is a rhetorical question. You don't have to answer it out loud. But the question I want to pose this morning is, how quickly do you lose perspective? How quickly do you lose perspective? You know, I can remember a time about three or four years ago, uh, I was upstairs working, and Pastor Wayne had gotten off the phone call with a very wealthy businessman that said, hey, uh, I've got $10,000 worth of computer equipment. You think you guys could put that to use? <laughs> Absolutely. I didn't have a computer to work with at the time. The computers you see in the back that are running everything and making sure everything works together, those were donated at that time. And, and so, but the only catch was this businessman looked at us and said, it would be too expensive to ship, so you're going to have to come and get it. And he was in Dallas, Texas, and he said, I think he was like moving that weekend, so it had to be like that day. And so pastor came upstairs and said, I've got some things that I've already committed to. Would you be able to drive to Dallas and pick up this equipment? And I said, I said, absolutely, man. Let me just check with my boss. He's like, well, I am your boss. I was like, no, I'm talking about my wife. And you, this is just a joke. Anyway, um, so my wife's like, yeah, go get it. You need a computer. So I get in the car and I start driving. Well, before I do, I, I make a call to uh, Elder David, and, and I said, man, I'm going on this trip. Would your son be able to go? I was working with youth at the time, uh, who Seth McMullen, who was just here for two weeks. He was 17 at the time. Pick up Seth. We're on our way to Dallas. Well, I receive a phone call from my dad, and, he, and I pick up the phone call, and he said, hey, son, do you have a minute? How many of you know that's usually, that you're about to get some information dropped on you. He said, I want to give you an update on the family. So okay, pull over, get gas, and he's got my full undivided attention. He said, I just wanted to tell you that your mother has lost all feeling in the lower half of her body, and we're on our way to Dallas to have emergency surgery. Now, it was serious enough to where, how many of you are familiar with who Tony Romo is? He's a sportscaster now, quarterback for the Dallas Cowboys a few years ago. Well, it, the doctor that operated on his back was the one that had to operate on my mother's because there were surgeons that wouldn't, that wouldn't touch her. And so, um, how many of you know, you're pretty good at your job if you're operating on somebody that's bringing in uh, millions upon millions of dollars a year. And so, it was that serious. So, uh, I, I feel like, uh, like a, a glove came around me and began to squeeze me. You ever feel gripped by anxiety, gripped by stress, gripped by fear in just an instant moment? You're just, you just feel it, right? And so we're on our way. So I tell Seth, hey, we're going to make a pit stop and see my mom. Um, they drove that same night to Dallas. It just happened that way. Uh, it wasn't planned. So I go and I see my mom. And as I'm about to pull up to the hotel that my mom is staying at, my wife calls me. And 
And I, I don't even know if, my, if I had time to tell my wife about that phone call just yet because she called me very excitedly. And within the first 15 or seconds, she had information that she wanted to share with me that she could not wait, that she just kind of spat out. Have you ever been so excited? You're like, I just can't even wait. Blah. That's what she did, only this information I wish had been delivered a different way because this was words that she called me. She called me and she said, hey, sweetie, what are you doing? I said, I'm pulling in to see my mom. She said, that's great. I just wanted to tell you I'm pregnant. <laughs> okay, so this was a surprise. We had tried for about five years. Nothing happened. We didn't think it was in the cars. So you can say that this was a surprise is putting it lightly. We did not expect this. So now I feel gripped even more. I'm like, oh, my goodness, I'm going to be a dad sweating. And, and, and so Seth is the only person with me, and, and I love Seth. Seth is a bro. Seth is somebody I can laugh and hang. But I didn't want to process this information with a 17-year-old. I, I would want to process it with his dad, Elder David, who did the offering today. It was incredible. Uh, who's great in those moments. So I did not tell him. So Seth is unaware of what's going on in my heart and mind, and he's just kind of probably wondering, like, dude, why is Justin so tense this trip? Like, this is supposed to be fun. And and then we leave the hotel on the way to pick up the computers. It storms. I can't see five, ten feet in front of me. My car hydroplanes. I get in an accident. My bumper's hanging. You know when you drive and you feel something dragging? That's just never a good feeling. And, and so we trade insurance information, and I'm like, great, now my insurance is going to go up. This is the only car my wife and I have had at the time. And so instant, you can feel the stress and anxiety begin to build and, and poor Seth, who's unaware of what's going on, is just trying to be a bro, and he's making jokes and making light of the situation, and inside I can't handle it, but also I understand he doesn't know. He's sitting there going, dude, you suck at driving. He's sitting there going, dude, Uber ain't even going to hire you. I don't even have a license. You want me to drive? I bet I cannot get in an accident. He's just going in on me, and I'm just like, dude, I love you. Help me, Lord. I love him. He didn't know, and so he wasn't being insensitive. He really didn't know. Then we pick up the equipment, we head back to New Orleans, we pull into Metairie. What I didn't know was that it was also storming in Metairie, and that the power went out, and that the pumps shut off, and that water began to rise. So I drop Seth off at his house, and I pull out of his neighborhood, and I'm trying to go home. Well, I tried to go through, I, there was no way out, I was surrounded by water, so I tried to drive through some of this water, and I'm driving, and then all of a sudden, I feel like the waves start, you know when you feel your car shift and move and you're like, that's not me. <laughs> my car turns off, my car shuts down, battery died, everything's dead, and I'm surrounded by water in a vehicle filled with $10,000 worth of computer equipment. Can you feel the intense stress and anxiety that I'm feeling at this moment? I would later go on to need a new engine that would cost me over $3,000. I'm freaking out. <clears throat> and so here's where we're at in the story is, I call Elder David McMullen, who lived a couple blocks away. He comes and gets me, and, and they help me push my car halfway onto somebody's lawn to get it out of the water. And, and we find out that my engine is done and that, you know, I need that replaced. So Elder David drove me home, and, and David was like my small group pastor. He was a voice in my life uh, regularly. He's always a voice in my life, but at that time, we were, I was hanging out with him more than, than, than I am now. And and he's used to giving me perspective, and in this moment, I remember it being a quiet drive home. And I remember him trying to encourage me, trying to help me see a different perspective. He doesn't know any of the information either, and I'm just sitting there. You know when somebody's like trying to encourage you, and you're like looking out the window, and they're dry, you're just like, 
You just don't want to hear it, right? You're like doing that lip thing. And, and they're just, they're trying their best. And, 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 and I felt like I was being rude. And so by the time that he pulled up, I wasn't trying to be rude, but I, I was kind of thinking that's probably how I'm coming off. I finally told him, dude, I'm sorry. I'm not trying to be rude. I just found out I'm going to be a dad. <laughs> I remember David was he's like chuckled like, wow, that makes a lot of sense why you're kind of like this. I was feeling the weight of how am I going to provide for this kid? Will I be a good father? Kind of a, you know how much school debt I have? I'm <laughs> bringing a kid into that. I remember feeling all of this and my insurance dropped me and, and there was just this season of life where I was just kind of feeling it. And the reality was that I did not have good perspective. If you take away all of that and you tell me you're going to be a father, I might react differently. I only allowed the stress and worry side of that coin to be shown in my life. And I remember feeling there are times in your life where you feel things strongly and you felt them so strongly you'll never forget them. That was this time. And, and here's what happened is the reality is that I did not have a great perspective because I was focused on the here and now of the moment instead of the then and there. Fast forward nine months. We put that photo up on the screen. This was the then and there, the reality that I would later come to realize. Can I just tell you this moment freed me all anxiety. This moment, I felt more peace than anything. I, I wasn't worried. I wasn't scared. It, I, I wasn't, there was nothing negative going through my body. It was like I knew everything was going to be okay. And isn't it funny how the here and now can really mess with us? But if we only knew the then and there, it forces us to look at the here and now differently. I want to ask you how many of you are like me. You lose perspective. Well, I want to shift gears. We're going to come back to that. But I want us to start off by asking you the second question. What do you know about heaven? What do you know about heaven? I mean, you may know the old cliches. You know, like if you go on Google and, and type in heaven in photos, like you kind of have an idea of what's going to come up and, and what's been portrayed over the years through media and film. It's like this picture of like fluffy clouds and like chubby babies, Right? Like the little chubby babies with the little wings and they like probably are playing a harp or an instrument. It's just this idea of like, really? That's So what you're telling me is I live my life, I follow Jesus, I walk with God here on earth and my reward is eternal huggies? It's just like my, my body's going to be condensed into this chubby little form and that's heaven? It just kind of doesn't make sense. But I mean, at the same time... Um, can you imagine just being like chubby for the rest of, and you're just like happy? Like that's like my son who's four months old. He's the chubbiest kid you'll ever see. And people always ask me, they're like, hey, how's the baby? Um, my answer is always, I mean, he's fat and happy. That's just what he, that's just reality. He's just never worried. He's always smiling. But that's kind of the idea that we've been given of heaven. And here's another question. How relevant is heaven in your life? How relevant is heaven in your life? Will it impact your life this afternoon? Will it, does heaven affect your Monday? Does heaven affect your schedule? Will heaven affect your goals, your decisions, your ambitions, your stress level? How relevant is heaven in really any of our lives? Well, if you're like me, admittedly, most of the time, I don't think about heaven. And if you were to ask me, well, what happens when you die? Where, where, I would, well, I go to heaven. I think that would be my, that's when I would think of it. You want to know when I think about heaven? When I'm at funerals or when I'm around sickness or around death. That's occasional. 
And so I really don't think about heaven all that much. And as I've wrestled with this material and studied it, it's forced me to look in the mirror and go, I don't really think about it that much. And that's what separates me and many of you from the guy that wrote this scripture, Paul. In fact, one of the things that you see this guy named Paul, some of you know him as St. Paul or Apostle Paul, is that heaven was a major theme in his writings. And, and it was something that he talked about regularly. It seems that the reality of heaven or the expectation of heaven and even the desire to go to heaven was something that Paul talked about and thought about regularly. He spent a considerable amount of time thinking about it, but for me, it's just kind of out there. Like, heaven exists in theory. Heaven's just an idea. It's out there. It's then and there somewhere, but it really has no bearance on my life today. And and it, it, it's kind of this faraway thing, and really, it's not practical for me to think about heaven in the here and now. And the way that I think about heaven, it's very similar to the way that this group of people called the Corinthians thought about it. And so, today, we're peering into the end of a letter that Paul wrote to this church in Corinth. Paul writes, and we're coming in at the very tail end of it, Paul writes to them, and what we, what we learn about them is they're a very interesting group of people that have layers upon layers upon layers of dysfunction. I mean, when you talk about getting it wrong or confused, I mean, they were, that's, that's exactly what they did. And here, the reality is one of the systemic issues that they had was that they were hyper, uber, super, over-the-top, spiritual. A better word is spooky. Have you ever, you ever met a spooky Christian? Spooky Christianity, spooky, like if you don't know what I'm talking about when I say spooky Christians, Come find me after service. We'll hang out on YouTube for a little bit, and your world will just open up. It's just, there's some crazy stuff out there. Everything was hyper, mega, totally, completely, utterly spiritual. They, and so what, what happened is their pursuits became not about God, not about Jesus, and about everything else spiritual. Their pursuits were more like angels and demons and spirits and healings and miraculous and listen I believe in all those the Bible talks about all but those are not the focus point I think if I think a relationship with God you kind of have access to that but if you focus on those things you don't necessarily get God and that's where it got backwards for them and so they were caught up in all of this stuff they were enamored with the thought of, what's the name of my guardian angel? They were so worried about things that were so, didn't even matter. And, and in fact, they had gotten so ridiculously over-spiritual, they began to minimize even their daily living of life here on earth. And here's what happened. They began to even minimize the consequences of even their own sexuality. The Bible says that these Christ followers, these Jesus followers, were even attending sex parties, and their justification was, well, look, man, really, it's just a physical body. And when I die, I'm just going to become a little squished ball of energy. And and you're going to be a ball. We're just going to, I'm going to recognize you and be like, what's up, David? Like, let's go fly somewhere. And they, they, they didn't put an emphasis on the here and now. They thought that then and there was so far off, it had no bearance on how they were living here. And they began to dismiss the importance of things like daily, like, oh, I don't know, like loving your neighbor. They began to dismiss the importance of things like patience and kindness and forgiveness and the way that God's called us to live in the here and now. They began to dismiss all of that and live their lives accordingly because, well, it's really all about the spiritual realm. This physical world doesn't really matter. And they began to go far off course. And so Paul, we're coming into this, we're coming into this letter where, that Paul's writing to them. 
And, and because their mindset was, well, like, and even are sometimes, well, I'm just here. I'm just dealing with earthly things. And, and heaven has no ripple effect on what I'm doing now. And heaven was not really a part of their daily routine. And so by the time we get to 1 Corinthians 15, Paul is in this place of passionate proclamation, uh, ex- exclamation and exultation of declaring all the great things that Jesus has done for us. And he comes to this climactic conclusion where, where we are jumping into kind of the middle of where he's declaring the reality of heaven. And in light of everything I just told you, we're going to go back and we're going to read that scripture. And, and listen carefully to the words that Paul chooses here in 1 Corinthians 15. The first man was from the earth, a man of dust. The second man is from heaven. Okay, so you can see what Paul is kind of doing here. He said, okay, let's talk earth. Let's talk dust. Let's talk heaven because there's a big disconnect between the two in your life. And, and so heaven is kind of this category over here that's like I'm, I'm sure it'll happen when it happens. And it has no bearing or, or little relevancy in my life right now because I'm just trying to deal with like can I pay my bills? Can I make sure my, my, my car has gas? Can I make sure that I have groceries this month? And, and you know the stresses of life that are actually here in front of me. And Paul is saying, okay, we're going to close this gap here between the then and there and the here and now. We're going to close this gap together. And here's what he's saying. And here's, here's what he's saying to us. Heaven is more real than you know, and you'll be there sooner than you know. How many of you in here, it's like the older you get, you realize, like time goes by way faster than it used to, Right? I cannot believe that I have a two-and-a-half-year-old. That story a lot of times feels like it was just yesterday. I, I, I wish I could slow down time. And any time I've ever gone and served at a, at, a, at a nursing home, you want to know the number one thing that I hear is regret. I wish I had spent less time at the office. I wish I had spent more time with my kids. I wish I had focused on things that matter. You want to know what that's translated to? I didn't realize how fast time would go. And here I am, and I'm going, I wish I'd spent it differently. I didn't realize it was like that. And what Paul is saying is, our life is but a flash in the pan. Verse 48, as, as was the man of dust, so also are those who are of the dust, and is the man of heaven. So also are those who are of heaven, just as we have borne the image of the man of dust. We shall also bear the image of the man of heaven. Translation is that, Heaven is more earthly than you think it is. Heaven is more physical and tangible than you think it is. Heaven is not as far-fetched as you're making it out to be, and certainly more than anything, it's certainly not irrelevant. It's absolutely essential to everyday life. How is heaven essential to everyday life? Well, Paul is telling us here, he said, one version says this, let us embrace our heavenly ends. And then another version says, we shall embrace. Now, both of those versions are incredible translations of the original language, but here's why I love it, because it's a we shall and we should. We will and we are. What Paul is saying is we're embracing heaven that one day the then and there of heaven is going to be a reality. We look forward to it. We think upon it, but we also are embracing it in the present here and now moments. That we understand that heaven then and there affects earth here and now. And so here's where I think we mess up with the inaccuracy of heaven. Uh, I remember at 16 years old, started going to church. Didn't grow up in church, 16 years old, first time I walked in. Well, God ends up doing something in my life. I I give my life to to the Lord, and I'm beginning to live for him. And I remember hearing, you got to share your faith. 
And, and so I remember asking the question, well, okay, so what does that mean? How do I share my faith? And I remember somebody going, man, you got to hit them with eternity. <laughs> you got to hit them with, you ever heard that? So you're, I'm like, here I am, 16 years old, going to school, and I'm sharing my faith. And I'm talking to my friends, and they're like, so you go to church now, huh? I'm like, yeah, man, I'm going to church. They're like, so what, where are you at with God? And like, what does that all mean? And I'm like, oh, man, you got you to gotta, you gotta, uh, 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 repent of your sins and believe in Jesus, and then you can go to heaven. And they're like, so, okay, accept Jesus and then go to heaven? I'm like, yeah, that's it. You, I didn't really know much. I'm like, that's it right there. And they go, here was the question that it, it, it posed. Well, if I need Jesus to go to heaven, well, what's so great about heaven? And I remember going, okay, what have I seen in movies? And immediately, well, do you like gold? They're like, I mean, sure. Well, man, the, the streets are paved with gold. Yeah, that's pretty cool, right? They're like, I mean, it is actually kind of cool. Okay, but what else? And I'm like, I did not anticipate a second question. Um, okay, what else? Um, the, the seas and oceans in heaven are like glass. Yeah, crystal clear, right? And, and, and my friend's like, glass? You, you can't swim in glass. Like, and I'm like, that's a good point. So I, I, I found myself very confused in my own explanation and presentation of heaven. And... And so, really what I came to a place of was, well, okay, so really I'll just live for God. I'll worry about heaven later. I'll worry about the details later. It's not really important right now. Uh, I understand. I kind of believe in it, but I'll worry about that later. And really, in doing so, it lost all relevancy in my life at that point. When we push heaven off to a far off then and there, it loses relevancy in the here and now. Because in the meantime, we deal with the current stresses of life. I got responsibilities. I've got things to do. I don't really need to worry about that right now. And this, in a way, was the Corinthians' error. Heaven was not a theme in their everyday lives. And Paul seems to declare that as a Jesus follower, heaven should be at the very center of our lives. So I want to prepare you for what Paul says next. Because it can come off sadistic or like he's obsessed with death. But here's what he says, and remember I said Paul talks about heaven, most, he's, he's actually saying, writing a letter to a different church. And in Philippians chapter 1, verse 23, this is what he says, I am hard pressed between the two. My desire is to depart and to be with Christ, for that is far better. If I could have the band go ahead and kind of make their way up. I just want to say these words hard pressed, what they mean and translate to is this. I'm emotionally torn. Why, Paul? Why, what, what's giving you such great consternation? He says, my desire is to depart and to be with Jesus, for that is far better. Now, here, like, that sounds eloquent, right? But Paul basically just said, I want to die so bad because I want to go to heaven and be with Jesus. That's what he's saying. Paul is expressing that this place of heaven has become such a real place in his life that, it, it, that it's this space and time on earth has found its proper place in the perspective of his soul. This space and time that we're living in, your life, your week, your month, this season of life that you're in, Paul is saying, I have really figured out where to put it and where its proper place is in my life. And what he's saying is this. He's saying, I realize that the here and now of my life is so small. I've realized that I'm here today and gone tomorrow. What he's saying is I've realized that I've made so much of my life 
like this. I went through life thinking and feeling that life was really this. This was it. This was my concern. This was my worry. This was where I put my time and energy. But as I've grown in my walk with Jesus, what has happened over the course of time is I've realized this is much smaller than I really would have ever known. And really what comes after, which I once viewed to be this, is so much greater. So much so that Paul is saying, I've realized my life becomes smaller and heaven has become greater so much so that I've spent so much time thinking, uh, uh, dreaming about it, that I actually long to leave this and step into this. Paul does what I'm calling today, I'm calling it the great reversal. He flips it upside down and says, we've spent so much time making this of ourselves, but what a relationship with Jesus does over time is it does this. This is how big and how long our time here is. How quickly does time go? It slips through our fingers, doesn't it? How many times have we heard from wealthy people that have achieved success, achieved wealth, they've said, you know, the one thing I've learned about money is it can't buy you a minute of time. It's the thing that we'll never get back. And Paul is going, as the older I get, the more I realize that. But this over here, this just keeps expanding. He literally is expressing an emotional and spiritual disposition where he would fantasize about being in heaven for eternity with the treasure of the ages, Jesus Christ. And he says, I want to go so bad. Now, reflect on our own disposition and spiritual state for a moment. I'm not even close to that. I mean, I, I, I become so inundated and insulated by life on earth and all the stresses that come along with that, that, that I can only see what's in front of me and then that becomes my focus. And so practically speaking, if you can get anything today, the question that we're forced to look at is, so what? So, so practically speaking, why is heaven so imperative for us in our everyday life? Why is heaven so important on my Monday and on my Tuesday and on my... Why, is he, why should heaven be take up mental space? Why should heaven take up thought? Why should heaven be regular conversation? Why? And I would pose a different question back to you. Might, maybe, would, might... Meditating on heaven, might thinking about heaven, might pondering heaven, might making heaven something that you consider regularly, might that give you a different way of looking at life? Might focusing on the here and now, can we put that picture back up on the screen? Might focusing on the then and there change how we go through the here and now? Might looking ahead to what life is going to be like affect our perspective in the present? I think so. Because heaven gives us perspective. And what heaven granted Paul is what heaven can grant you. The reality of heaven and the Jesus who fills eternity can grant you one of the single most powerful aspects of, and that is the ability to have perspective. Now you heard me tell at the beginning of this talk, that's not something I'm always good at. 
And I can lose perspective quickly. I mean, I'll show up at a restaurant and I'll order something and they'll look at me and go, oh, actually, we're all sold out of that. And I'm like, really? Wow. That's the only reason I came here. I don't even like the rest of your menu. And my whole day's like over. How many of you are like me where the little things can really, like, you go to, to, to grab, like, your favorite mug and it's at the bottom of the sink because somebody else used it and it's not clean and you're like, wow, really? That's how we're starting today and your day's done. So how many of you will get in the car and you'll see that it's on empty and you're like, wow, my wife didn't stop and get my husband didn't. Wow. How many of us let the littlest of things affect and add stress to our life, right? I, I could hang out right there so long. Wow, right? Um, just do that this week, please, whenever you, like, have one of those. Can you just say that out loud for me? And just remember this sermon, like, oh, perspective, right after you, wow. Okay, so how many of you uh, are aware of the Enneagram? Okay, love the Enneagram. We took it all as a staff earlier this week at a staff retreat. And, and I've taken it like four or five times, different. T- I always get the same thing. You want to know why? Because I'm a type one. I'm a perfectionist. I'm like, I got to know that that's what I am. Like, I can't move forward. To- and, and here's what a type one is. It's a perfectionist. And in essence, what that means is that nothing's ever good enough. And, 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 and I always think about how things could be better. And I want you to hear me because I've spent years and seasons of my life living with depression because discontentment was evident in every area of my life and I never learned how to find contentment where I was in the here and now. And I wasted so much time, so many seasons, so many years, and David can tell you because he's had to sit there and listen to me talk about the discontentment for years. I just wasted time that I'll never get back. And I just need you to hear me. That's a miserable way to live life. So please commit to praying for my wife. (laughs) Perspective. You know one of the greatest things you can give your kids? Perspective. You know one of the greatest things any leader of any kind can give their people? Perspective. Let me just tell you, single people, if you, if you ever get to a place where you get to choose between people uh, that you're, you know, you're like, what will I pursue? And there's like a good-looking, emotional person, and then there's like an ugly person with perspective. Choose the ugly person with perspective, okay? My wife can tell you all the reasons she married a good-looking, emotional. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, can I just tell you, though, in married people, you can help me preach this. When you're in a valley and when you're feeling pain, and you feel like you got a backpack on that's filled with sand, and you feel the weight of life bearing down on you, I want somebody with perspective next to me. And how many of you are grateful for a spouse that's provided that? I'm telling you, perspective is everything. It's, and it's so critical when we're under stress. Anything and everything can feel like it's derailing us if we don't have perspective. How many of you know somebody, they let the details derail them? A life without proper perspective is almost unbearable. It's miserable. 
The reason I kept coming back to David with all of my problems, you want to know why? Because he gave me an alternative perspective, a kingdom perspective, a heavenly perspective, and said, dude, you're looking at this from one way. Let me help you look at it from a different angle. Because it was everything. And you can experience a tremendous amount of anguish when you have an inability to put things in their proper perspective. Paul is saying, let us embrace our heavenly ends. Heaven is where we're going to end up. Let's embrace that when we get there, and let's embrace it now. Let us embrace our heavenly ends, and by doing so, we take this dusty, finite, short stay here on earth, and we put all of its pains, all of its rewards, all of its stresses into its proper place in light of eternity. And when that happens, can I just tell you, life becomes bearable. Life has an alternative perspective that doesn't weigh you down because you look at it through a different lens. So let me ask you this morning. What are you facing right now? What are you facing? Maybe you lost a dream. Maybe you feel like a dream or a vision or an idea that you had is on the cutting room floor and it can't be revived. Maybe you feel like you lost a loved one and the stress and anxiety and the pain of that has caused you to not move forward. Maybe you're dealing with a marital breakdown, a relational breakdown. What are you facing? Maybe it's the stress of summer, summer school or graduating or what am I gonna, where am I going to put my kids this summer? I want to ask you this morning, how are you going to A, gain, or B, regain perspective? Let us lay hold of the reality of heaven together. As we close out this service, let us as a church regain or gain the reality that heaven is coming and that heaven is something we can embrace here in these moments, here and now. Can I say, if you love earth, you're going to love heaven. If you love outdoors, if you love uh, mountains and lakes and beaches and oceans, if you love the architecture and gold, you're just going to love heaven. Because anything that has been imperfect here on earth will be perfected in heaven. And Paul is telling us it's much more tangible than we realize. And the most incredible part of heaven is that our Lord and Savior, Restorer, Redeemer, uh, the, uh, the one who walks with us and, is, and walks closer than a brother, Jesus is going to be there. There will be perfect love. There will be perfect community. Beauty and majesty beyond human comprehension. It will be there. So what are you going through? I want to challenge you this morning to let the majesty, the width, the depth, the height, the breadth of God's love shrink everything else down to its rightful size. What Paul is saying is I've learned how to put everything in this life into its proper perspective in light of eternity. So whatever you're going through, I don't want to make little or make small of what you're going through because I'll tell you that weekend was stressful and I couldn't see past it. But I look back, and in the moment I made it this big, the reality as I look back, I would have gone through that a hundred times over if I'd have known that it would have led to that. So whatever you're going through, I want to challenge you. 
put it in its proper perspective. Here's something that I learned as I studied this. That's that you and I are so many times victims of disproportionate problems. Because we look at a molehill, and because we're so living in the here and now, it feels like a mountain. Let the then and there of heaven affect the here and now of earth. We lose sight that these momentary afflictions will not matter in light of eternity. So here's what I want to do. I'm going to give you a chance. We're going to respond to this together today, but I want everybody all across the room, would you just kind of bow your head and close your eyes?